Russ and I had lunch this week, and we're years apart, but I won't tell you how many. And I've been thinking this year that I'm 73 years old. You know, people ask me how old I am, I say 73. She says to me, Stuart, you're not 73, you're 74. And I thought, and my God, she's right. <laughs> that means my next birthday, I'm going to be 75. That used to be old. <laughs> I am totally unreconciled to this. But one advantage of getting older is that you take a look back at your life and you realize you don't have that much time left. And so I'm telling you all, the danger is when we gather to a congregation, to a church, if we go to a church, to a synagogue, if we go to a synagogue, it's all become very routine and we go for various reasons. But I want to remind you of what my friend John Carnes father said to him, that when you come to services, you ought to come a little afraid because you're going to hear from God. That is, if you're going to a place it's worth going to. And you'll be responsible. The other side of that is that the kind of stuff that I'm sharing with you, I firmly believe can totally change your life. These are things that are still changing my life, and it's been 55, 54, 55 years since I came to believe this stuff. I don't know how many years anymore since Rusty confused me. Uh, but, it, but it's serious business. So let's uh, turn our hearts to consider the word of the Lord, and may his spirit and his word and your openness to receiving these things may it transform your life so that when you get to be my age, you look back in your life with less regret than I have. Okay? Let's do it. Three questions for those who seek God. You who seek I remember the rock from which you were you. Next slide, please. I'm looking at the last three verses of today's Haftorah. The first of those verses says, Listen to me, you pursuers of justice, you who seek Arunai. Then it goes on to say, Consider the rock from which you were cut, the quarry from which you were dug. Three questions for us today. The first question for all of us today is who are we listening to? Who are you listening to? Who's got your ear? Who's got your heart? What voice, what perspective is the bottom line for you in your life right now? That's an important question. It's a question we never ask. But what's the bottom line? For some people, the bottom line is whatever the Republican Party says, that's me. That's idolatry. God is greater than the Republican Party. He's not even a Republican. I got bad news for you. He's not even an American. He's not a Democrat either. He's high above all of these things. So you've got to ask yourself, who's got heart, what voice, what perspective is the bottom line for each of us today? Whose voice are we seeking to identify and to follow in the midst of all the chatter 
of our culture. Who's, you know, I'm going to say more about this. It's not an idle question. It's a question for which we will someday be obl obliged to give an answer. Whose voice were you looking for? Whose voice were you listening to? Whose voice overrules other voices? All other voices. It might seem to somebody here to be an easy question. Oh yes, I listen to the Lord. It's not an easy question. There are many Yeshua believers who have wedded their faith in God to a political philosophy or to a political leader or to a political cause. They have a well-defined bottom line on matters of morality, of economy, of immigration, of world politics, of Zionism. They have it all down. I talk to these people every week who know it all. They've got an answer for everything. I do not. And neither do you. Only God has the answer to everything. But these people are only listening to themselves and to their crowd. They live in an echo chamber where nothing new is allowed to get in. No new word. Just word. confirm what they already know. Doesn't matter if you're on the right on the left, there are just people for whom the only thing that's allowed in is what confirms what they already know. Who are we listening to? Who's got our ear? Who's got our heart? What voice? What the bottom line for us? Yeshua said of himself, My sheep know my voice. They follow me. Is that me? I want to thank Joshua Rood for your excellent work, taking time to share that admonition. Holy stuff. You should follow me. And the question is, is that me? For some of us, Never. For others of us, sometimes, many of us say, I don't know if I follow the shepherd's voice. It's okay. I don't mind honesty. But we should cultivate a mindset, a voice of the God, his, his perspective, his, and to his, to his lip. Always the bottom line for us. We want to hear his voice. We are not just to it. We're not just open to it. Don't tell me, okay. We need to hunger for it. We need to feel like we must have it. We must seek it. Then we must follow. That's the first word from our from our, our prophecy, our, 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 uh, the prophet. I want to talk about the reticular activity. Does anybody know what the reticular activating system is? Somebody, a term I read about years and years ago. It's, it's the fact that in your brain, your brain has a capacity to focus in on certain things and to, and to uh, kind of buffer everything else. So, some of you have had children. You spent your life totally exhausted. In bed, you're asleep. Uh, Somebody's, somebody's car, motorcycle is revving up outside. You don't hear it. 
a jet goes over your house, it barely registers. But your child from the other side of the house, you're up like a rocket. Because your brain has a reticular system. We learn to hear what is important to us. Uh, we, uh, we all, not conscious, it's subconscious. I was in a crowd this past, I don't remember where it was, but it was a big crowd. And so I thought I heard somebody call out my name. And in the midst of that crowd, hey, Stuart! And bam. Now, there was a lot of other stuff going on in that, in that place. It didn't register. I have no idea what was going on. But as soon as, as, soon as I, my name popped up, my activating system uh, uh, gets it. Our brain learns to focus on whatever it is that we love and that we have made important to ourselves. Without even trying, we recognize that input when it comes. It comes to us through the spirit. It comes to us in subtle thoughts, this, the voice of God. I can't preach to you about how you recognize the voice of God. But and for about, about 25 years of my spiritual life, it was, a, it was a very close subject to me. It drove me nuts because I knew my wife heard from God and I had no idea what the heck this was. But the voice of God comes to us. But the question is, uh, is it valuable to you? Is it something you want to hear? If it is, then you're, you, you will recognize the voice of God eventually. You will learn to. So again, my question is, who are you listening to? What are you listening for? How important is the voice of God to you? Or are you marching to other drummers? The drummer might be your mother, might be your father, might be your husband or your wife, be your family. I'm, I'm right now mentoring a lady, a woman at a coffee shop that I hang out with right across the street from Fuller Seminary. And this girl is just dominated by negating voices from her family and she can't hear anything else. Now, do you love to hear his voice? Do you seek his voice? If not, then something is wrong and you can begin correcting that today. That's the first question. Whose voice are you listening to? Second question. Let's see. Back up. That's it. Thank you. Uh, back up one slide, please. Let's look at we should well, his perspective and openness to living into is always bottom line for us. We want to hear his voice. We're not just open. We feel like we must have it and we seek it. Then we follow. Dell is back here nodding her head. I've known Dell about 30 years or so. And anybody who knows her knows that she's a person for whom this is, this is really... The bullseye. Oh, thank you, Sean. For us today, from this verse, listen to me, sewers of justice, you who seek. How do we know? Seeks a voice. And following the shepherd of our is the bot. How can we know? If we are God seekers, the text provides an answer. He says, You pursuers of justice, you who seek Adonai. God equates being pursuers of justice, he equates being pursuers of justice with being God's. 
Do our values, does our social conduct, do our political movements reveal us to be people who seek just, Or do we seek safety? Do we seek power? Do we seek to deny power to others? Is that what it's all about for us? Do we seek isolation from people who are not like ourselves? What? Sue, go into the holy days. The word of the Lord makes harsh demands. At this season, God confronts us. The words of the prophets nail us. And they come to remind us of what we never should have forgotten. He has told you, O oh man, what is good. And what is Adonai seeking from you? Only to practice justice, to look mercy, to walk humbly with God. That is how you recognize if you are who is seeking the voice of God, if you are a God. Do you practice justice? Do I? We're living in a world that is starving for justice, for mercy, and for humility. There's a lot of religious talk, but that's all it is. I tell you that on the basis of the Word of God. You practice justice. You seek mercy. You walk humbly with God. If you want to make sure if you are a person who sees God, then answer that question. Do you seek justice in the world? Do you seek justice? Do you love mercy? Do you walk humbly with God? To the extent these things matter to me, to the extent they matter to you, then we are God-seekers. To the extent that these things seem inconvenient or unimportant, or irrelevant, then no matter what you think of yourself, you are not a God-seeker. Neither am I. So the first question was, who am I listening to? What voice is the one that my brain and my heart identifies and, 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 and homes in on? And second question, am I are you a God-seeker? The third question. What size of your ambitions? This is also from our Hafsara. Abraham, your father, and Sarah, who gave birth in that I called to only one person. Then I blessed him and I made him many. Not only did God make him many, he made him very, very rich. And, you know, when Lot is captured as a prisoner of war in Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, 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 um, Abraham goes after these five kings uh, 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 in the valley with 318 men born in his house. These are not his children and grandchildren. This is his extended de facto family. It's his entourage. He's got 318 people, men, who are part of that encampment. When Abraham gets up to leave town, I mean, you can see it from space. But God called them the nobody. He, he, the, the, the Mishnah tells us, the, the, the Midrash tells us that he was an, his father was an idol maker. Not just an idol worshiper, an idol maker. And Abraham left, with, he's 75 years old, 
with, with his wife, he's got next to nothing. The text says, Consider Avraham your father and Sarah who gave birth to you, and that when I called him, he was only one person. Then I blessed him, and I made him many, for Adonai will comfort Zion, he will comfort all her ruined places, he will make her desert like Eden, her, her Arabah, like, uh, like the garden of Adonai, joy and gladness will be there, thanksgiving, and the sound of music. There it is. The text calls us to remember Abraham and Sarah, the rock from which Jews were hewn. We're connected to them, even you who are Gentiles here, you're connected to Abraham and Sarah. We're enfolded in their covenantal promises. We're part of their spiritual family. And as God was with them, he will be with us. We believe this. Remember, they started with nothing. They were, they were respectively 90 years old and 100 years old when their first child was born. They followed the voice of the Good Shepherd to a land they did not even know. And in the process, Avraham became a very rich man, and the encampment that traveled with him consisted of hundreds of people. This is the man to whom God promised that his descendants would be like the stars of heaven, like the sand of the seashore. So, the question is, we consider ourselves people who value the voice of God. If we consider ourselves to be God-seekers, the third question is, what's the size of your expectations? Do you believe that you have a God that's as big as Abraham had and Sarah had? You know, it's amazing when God takes Abraham after the thing with delivering Lot. Uh, the, king of, the king of Salem wants to give Abraham a whole city worth of booty. And Abraham says, no, I don't want anything from you. I've raised my hand to God. I've sworn by God Most High. I will not take even a shoelace from you, lest you should say you made Abraham rich. So he insults the king of Sodom. And then, at the beginning of chapter 15, Abraham is sitting there, and he feels like a jerk. And the voice of God comes to him and says, Don't be afraid, Abraham. Don't be afraid. Why? Abraham's afraid. He's antagonized. These five kings that captured Lot and Sodom, and he's antagonized the king of Sodom. And he says, don't be afraid. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. Because he gave up a reward. He thinks, am I an idiot? I gave up, I gave up a whole city worth of booty. The king of Sodom said, take all the booty, just give me the people. I gave that up. What am I, an idiot? Have you ever felt like an idiot serving God? If you haven't, then you haven't been serving God. Because sooner or later, we come at such cross purposes with other people in the world that sometimes we feel like a fool. Beginning of Genesis 15, Abraham feels like a fool. And God takes him outside. I can't believe the juxtaposition. He says, come here, I want to show you something. How many of you have ever looked at the stars in the sky when you're in the desert? You ever been in the desert and looked at the sky? In the city, you don't know squat about stars. But when you're in the middle of the desert, at the dead of night, and your eyes adjust and you look up there, it's absolutely indescribable. Absolutely. And Abraham takes, and God takes Abraham out there 
And he says, look up there. So shall your seed be. That's the place where all of us are. We're asking ourselves, if I seek the voice of God, if I consider myself a seeker after God, could I believe, you know, i got to give Abraham credit. We all got to give him tremendous credit. I mean, extraordinary, infinite credit. Imagine this, being taken out into the middle of the desert, shown the stars of heaven and saying, that's your, that's your descendants. I don't know how we believe that. I do know that we have very meager expectations of God. Very meager. And our Haftorah tells us not to do that. Although coming at a difficult time, a time of exile, a time of judgment, and a time of defeat, Adonai promises to Judah, uh, he connects them to what he said about Abraham and Sarah. Just as God took them from nothing to extraordinary blessing, so he remains the same God today. He says in verse 3 that he'll reverse Judah's fortunes to a time of blessing and fruitfulness. It'll be a time of thanksgiving and the sound of music. If this are people going off to exile, he says, your future is thanksgiving and the sound of music. So, I don't know what you're facing in your life right now. I know what some of you are facing. I know a little bit of it. I know a little bit about what Shira has got on her plate. I know a little bit what some of you have. And I'm not expecting you to be Abraham. I'm not expecting you to be Sarah. But I'm expecting us all to ask ourselves, do I have ambitious expectations of God? Seek his voice. Be someone who seeks his face and expect great things from God. Sooner or later, not only will you not be disappointed, you will be astounded. Let's pray. I want to thank you especially for that moment of old man Abraham, 75 years old, feeling like an idiot, standing in the desert, looking at the sky, and believing, somehow believing that his descendants would be like the dome of the heavens for multitudes and like the sand on the seashore, the sand beneath his feet, every grain of sand, he could feel it in his toes. And, Father, you told him, so shall your descendants be. Father, forgive us for our meager expectations. Forgive us for the fact that we follow so many other voices. Forgive us for not being people who seek justice, who love mercy, who walk humbly with our God. Forgive us for installing other values in their place so that we're not predominantly 
those who seek justice, who love mercy, and walk in humility. Change us, we pray. Forgive us, we pray. And please accompany us in our lonely journey through the desert of life. We ask in Yeshua's name. Amen. Shabbat Shalom.